everybody. Uh, this is our special Green Mountain Mysteries question and answer episode for our one year anniversary. Yay! Woo! Yay! Applause. Yeah. I'm Albion! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he's Albion. Um, why don't we all just, uh, for anybody who, for some reason, is new to the show and decided, hey, I'm going to listen to a Q&A episode before I dive into this actual play podcast, uh, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Mike, I'm the game master of the show, and also most of the characters. I'm Tom, I play Albion Graves, the um, gunslinging monster hunter from Oklahoma. That's that's the cast. That's everyone. <laughs> yep, we did it. Somebody just go next. All right, I'm Gwen. I play Ro Common. I'm Christine, and I play Desdemona Brown. Uh, I'm Darius. I'm only here because the court told me to. And I play Sly. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Seth, the writer and Doombringer. I am the reason why this show is set in Burlington. That is Whoa, what's that? Correct. A new voice on our show, I hear. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Seth is, as he mentioned, the guy who is our writer. Uh, Seth and I have been working on the concept for this show for a couple of years, and it's it's been a lot of fun working together. Turns out um, co-writing and co-producing a show, kind of good. But that actually will get brought up in the Q&A questions, so I think we should just dive right into that. How about that? If you insist. I mean, that is why we're here. Yes, correct. Uh, in fact, the first question that I have on our list comes from one of our listeners, uh, who goes by Ghost Lee. Thank you, Lee, for asking, who came up with the idea of the podcast? I think that was both you and I, technically, Michael. Yeah, we were having a we were having a drive back from a convention because this was the before times and we we listened to um the Adventure Zone Amnesty because it was only the mini arc that they'd released at that time and uh it in, it definitely made me want to make uh an actual play podcast and uh, I I talked with Tom and we we started making plans is that, is that but even even a little bit before that, for like nine months before that particular convention, you were saying you wanted to play more Dresden Files RPG. And so it was that, you know, I really want to play this system that I like a lot that I never get to play. That's the reason why it's a Dresden Files RPG podcast. That's that's true. Uh, yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. I was definitely uh, reluctant to run the game at first because I just didn't really have a story that I wanted to run. I, I just, I couldn't think of a, a good story to run at all. And I was, I was very nervous about coming up with anything. So I, I basically went to Seth and said, Hey bud, I want to do this podcast. I don't want to write it. Can we team up? Can <laughs> our powers combine? And it turns out that they can, because all Michael has to do is give me like, Michael's output turns into uh, input for me, and then my output turns into input for Michael, and it turns into a virtuous cycle. Yes, yeah, good stuff. Ouroboros, the snake eats its own tail, and then that tail throws monsters at us. <laughs> exactly, except uh, imagine Ouroboros getting bigger with every, like, link of snake that it eats. So the game's snake. <laughs> but instead of apples, it's more Ouroboros. 
Um, I think, yeah. We've Next lost question. the metaphor. My college roommate yes. beat Snake on the Nokia phones. Like, every Nokia phone he could find. He, he had a pile of them. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, they're Nokias. They last forever. Um, I think, yeah, next question is, was also kindly submitted by, by Lee, uh, which is how did you go about picking who would be in the podcast? Uh, I kind of want to hear from the players first about what their experiences were like when I, when one of us was like, (laughs) Hey, do you want to do a thing? Well, I'm your brother. So obviously I was going to be part of this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like we, yeah, we talked about it on the drive home. Yeah, we talked about it on the drive home, and Michael was like, well, why don't you DM? And I was like, ha, 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 no, I, d- I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, because I, my style of dungeon mastering in the game I have run for years for Michael and Seth is, oh, fuck, we have a game tonight? Uh, I'm going to think of what we're doing on the ride over with my co-DM, and then run a session and improvise from there. And I was like, Michael, you're, you've, ran a really good campaign when we were in college. I did not realize Michael had the same prep strategy I did. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that was um, that was my experience, was being there from day one and refusing to DM. What about the other two OG cast members? What, what's your story? Oh, I just got asked, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. Classic Darius. <laughs> Uh, my my story is a little a uh, little funny because uh, it kind of started with doing um, a play uh, almost two years ago now with um, Tom and uh, it was a play that Mike co-wrote with uh, Alex Bickerstaff, a uh, really great show called Open Night Mutiny, and we were at our first. Um, play read we're just reading through the play um just going through the script on um, the entire cast and crew were there and uh, i was tom, there for the reading yeah and uh tom had made um some sort of crack because you know we were at this very long thin table we're all seated there with our scripts and our pencils and tom made a joke about you know everybody take out your character sheets and your dice and <laughs> i'm at the other end of the table going ah! And I reached into my purse and I threw my bag of dice onto the table. And I was like, ha ha, did it. <laughs> and uh, my memory of this was me saying, all right, so we all brought character sheets, right? And from the other end of the table, this this tangle of wild red hair going, do not play with me and slamming a bag of dice on the table. <laughs> yeah. And, like, several days later, I get, like, a a DM from Mike going, hey, can I ask you a really nerdy question? And I was like, uh, sure. (laughs) You want to do a play podcast with me? I'm like, what's a podcast? (laughs) 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 And that's how I got into Green Mountain Mysteries. (laughs) Amazing. See, the fortunate thing was you had read the Dresden Files books more than we had. I had finished the entire Dresden Files series two weeks previously to being asked to join. The timing. <laughs> it was impeccable. It was meant to be. It was so, meant to be. Okay, I want to butt in before Mike does. Okay. So when Mike originally asked me to, uh, if I would be willing to help him out with that, that he wanted me involved in his podcast project, but not as a player. I was like, ooh. That's good, because I wouldn't have said yes if you had asked me to be a player. 
<laughs> and then he was like, uh, but I, I want to set it in a city, but I don't want to just do one of the cities near us. I want to do something, you know, a, a little distinct, a little unique. You know, I don't want to just do something that we all know like the back of our hands. I want to do something that's familiar yet exotic. And, you know, he, he had pitched, I forget what city he pitched. And I'm like, what about Burlington? Because I had been there uh, to meet my cousin to drop her kids back off so that she could take them back to Canada where she's working for the U.S. State Department or something. And Seth I've been is a there, very and I was interesting like, wow, person. <laughs> wow, Burlington is awesome, because, you know, it was like this really, really gorgeous place, and I could see a lot of potential for just it being a really cool backdrop for adventure. So Mike was like, really, Burlington? And I'm like, yeah, Burlington. Uh, you still have Mondays off? And he was like, I do. And I'm like, great, I have this coming Monday off. We're going to Burlington. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. And so basically the entire framework of all of the plot that everyone has done so far came out on that one car ride. We worked through a bunch of NPCs. We worked through a bunch of different plot arcs that we wanted to go through. Mike was like, I just have like these five different high points that I want to make sure that I hit with the campaign and I need help stringing them together. And I could tell all of you what those are, but I guess those would be spoilers. Yeah. Big, yeah. big old spoilers. <laughs> okay, so don't talk about all that stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> so we we had another cast member initially. Well, uh, yeah, you did. Because... Friend, yeah, we had we had my best friend from high school, Nick. Uh, his name is Nick. Uh, and he played the character we've mentioned so often, Marcus, in the uh, lead-up game sessions that we did before we started the show. Unfortunately, he ended up not being able to commit to the time of the show after trying out recording that schedule he had initially been like really interested in being part of it but once he kind of got to the more of the bigger picture of what the commitment would be he realized he couldn't and juggle that and his work life and that's where and i that's come where comes in. when mike walked his way that down to the, the podcast shelter and he went i'm gonna pick that one <laughs> <laughs> well it was Okay, so it's a little more complicated than that, because on that car ride back, which I'm going to refer to probably multiple times, Mike was like, so who can we get? Who do you think would be good? Who do you think we can get? And I'm like, well, who do you have so far? And he's like, I definitely have Tom, and I really, really want to try to get Christine. And I'm like, Christine? He's like, yeah, you met her. She was at the th At that point, I had no idea who Christine was, but now we're like bubbling together in the pandemic, and we see each other yep. all the time. So yeah. And we went through a list of all of these different people, and I'm like, I really think you should lean on Darius, because I think he has a great voice, and everyone will love him. And uh, I, I think that uh, he's pretty introverted, so as long as it's like a can-be-on-his-terms kind of thing, it'll be his social activity where he gets to be an introvert with extroverts, and it's okay. I, and I don't I know if that was right or not, but I, I, I told Mike <laughs> to lean on Darius to get him involved. And then... Uh, I also went through a bunch of people, and I was like, what about Nick Trent? Because you love Nick Trent, and so does Tom, and the guy like needs to hang out with his friends more, and he can do this remotely, so maybe it'd be a really cool way for you guys to get together. And Gwen also came up that day, because uh, the D&D &D campaign that Tom had been running for a really, really long time for us, Gwen used to play in, and then no longer had the time to make that commitment, but that was on the weekends. Correct. I didn't know I was in your yeah. original conversation. That's you were in the yeah, conversation, but Mike was like, I don't know, she already had to drop from one campaign due to timing issues, and I'm like, yeah, but yeah, that was yeah, that. This is never going to happen twice. At, at the time that that yeah. had happened, I had just graduated high school, and this is now four-ish, five years later, and the first time that I agreed to do the podcast was in, like, 
early midsummer. And then I said, hey, I don't know if I could do this. So I'm like, maybe I don't. And then I had to agree again because my work stuff changed. <laughs> so I almost wasn't yeah. part of the podcast as well. <laughs> from from my perspective of how we picked people to be in the podcast, it it's a lot of what's already been said. I wanted to make sure that we had a focus on having a somewhat diverse cast because I know that I am uh, a straight cisgendered white dude and so is Seth and we were making <laughs> this podcast together and I was like so many of my friends that would be totally into this are just like me and it's I I it's not representative especially if we're you know setting something in a place that isn't here like I wanted to make sure that I I had a better better representation in our cast because like if i have a platform i might as well use it to try to elevate voices that are not my own and it's it's a minor platform sure but like it was a consideration and uh it's something that i i'm very happy that we have everybody in the show that we do uh it's this is such a fun group of people to work with so i want to move to uh a different question. Let's go with a uh let's go with a for me question specifically. How about um just to to hit a uh uh three in a row from Lee, uh hat trick. Do you have any say in the main plot or do you just go along with Seth's story? Because we've we've talked about this a little bit. I I do have some say in the main plot. Uh Seth and I do a lot of communicating and planning about uh, how to move through stuff, where to go next. Uh, Seth, Seth has come up with most of the, I would say, good ideas <laughs> for for the 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 game, and I I had a couple of major plot beats that I contributed uh, to the the original draft, and then uh, I asked Seth to put together uh, a story web so that wherever these goobers went, I I would be able to navigate toward one of those main beats and seth absolutely has been invaluable like i can i can basically just on the car ride home i was like seth i want to run a, a campaign prior to this the real one that we've been talking about i want to get you know these people used to podcasting i want to get myself used to podcasting like none of us have been on a podcast before uh, I like I want to make sure and some of the people most of us like weren't super familiar with the game system so I want to make sure that we start off real strong so let's run a little mini campaign so they get used to their characters and the setting and I like I want it to I don't want it to be part of these main plot beats and Seth just sort of goes into his own his his headspace for like seconds and goes Okay, so there's a trio of hags, and they run a diner in Burlington, or just outside of Burlington, somewhere that's right by a river, so they can have a bridge nearby, and it just rattles off all of this stuff. It's like, they're actually, uh, like, they're, they're murdering people because hags, as you know, are anthrophages, they eat people, but they're also, like, growing a mandragora garden, and that could be a problem for these reasons, and oh, there's a group of werewolves with the obvious red herrings, and they show up to this it's just he just rattled this whole scenario off and you have was... to have a red herring so that the, the the you know the pcs can think they're getting somewhere only to be undercut in the third act 
And and he was like, oh, it has to be near a bridge because there's a bridge troll. And that because, you know, how in like noir fiction, like the Dresden Files, you know, halfway through the case, like he gets beat up by some goon and it, you know, stalls the thing out. And it's like, oh, but they're also like feeding him some of the meat. But now their their whole thing is stretched too thin because these, you know, Native American creatures have shown up and they are eternally hungry. And that ties into our big threat. And it's like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it just. That's that's kind of how it goes. I will bring stuff to Seth and be like, what do I do? And we will just bounce off of each other. And usually I go with whatever Seth says. <laughs> right. But, I but do, Michael be I like, I'm here and I want to get there. Can you draw me a map? And it's like, sure, I can draw you a map to get from here to there. Because that's no problem for my brain. What is a problem for my brain is deciding where there is. So if I have a concrete there, it's no problem. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much how we operate is I can set up the point A and the point B and Seth just sort of builds me a road between those two. Uh, and then in gameplay, I, I have an idea of what that road looks like and I can navigate those detours if I need to. Let's get some player questions because I really want to hear from y'all because uh, we cannot make a show without you. You guys are arguably more important than me. Definitely more important than me. You guys would be playing even if I didn't exist. Big oof. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's get a question for for all the players from Siobhan, who uh, is a, a friend of the show. Thank you, Siobhan. Named a character after her we did. What are some touchstones or inspirations for your characters? Um, do you guys want to like set up an order to answer or? No, uh, uh, I'll go first. <laughs> oh no no Darius you go first oh okay um so I named my character after Sly Cooper from Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus because I didn't think Mike would get it and he didn't until he did <laughs> until it was too late <laughs> pretty much but um the name of the character is actually a character I drew as a kid um who uh was named after the first Star Spangled Kid who is Sylvester Pemberton. And that's where the Sylvester name comes from. The Coopersmith thing was just kind of a fluke based on of a, a very minor character from a very old uh, detective novel that nobody has ever read except for me. When I was deployed in Australia and I found it in like a book box or something. One of those Amnesty International boxes are like, hey, sorry, you're deployed in Afghanistan. How a box of books that people threw out? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, so... That's it. I mean, I knew about the Afghanistan part, but not the other part. Yeah. So I just kind of stitched the two names together. And, and what about the, the characteristics of the character other than just the name? I mean, he's just me, but taller. I, I thought he, he had a lot of inspiration from Goro Majima as well. He? Yeah. I just haven't had a way for him to use a scalpel yet properly. <laughs> oh, no. We're getting there. I feel like it's inevitable. Oh, yeah. For those of you the uninitiated, Goro Majima is a character from the Yakuza video game series called the Mad Dog of Shimano. He is a character. gangster. Nerd. He it, wears Nerd. an eye patch and is <laughs> arguably crazy or maybe just putting it on as a show. We're not sure. Yeah, Majima would call you a nerd for saying all that. <laughs> he would as and then he'd would, stab me as would Sly yes yes he would they both would <laughs> yes and and he basically dance fights 
Yeah, he does. He does breakdancing as a fight. So my character, Albion, was, um, I had actually originally written a character, uh, a long time ago who was sort of a monster hunter who, uh, had a thing for, uh, multiple faiths and particularly felt a tie to Odin. And I had just, I hadn't ever written a full story with this character. I had only ever given them the name Albion. And not really done much more with them. I just kind of had the concept of like, I really like this character. They wear dark leather and are very pretty and like Odin. And I had realized that they would probably fit really well into the Dresden Files when Michael was trying to give us, get us to come up with ideas for characters. And I didn't really know what direction to take Albion in. And I was just listening to some music and a song called... Theme for Ennio Morricone, or is it Morricone? I don't know which. I think it's Morricone. Morricone, uh, by the band Murder by Death, came on. And that song is as cowboy as it gets. <laughs> so I had, I just kind of started drawing inspiration from particularly uh, the Gunslinger books by Stephen King. The early ones where uh, Roland is a, is it Roland? Hold on. I believe it is. Yeah, Roland Shane, where Roland is, um, you know, roaming around, wearing his duster and shooting things. And uh, I had also just kind of gotten into the new season of Critical Role, and Travis Willingham's character has a Texan accent. And I was like, I could probably, I could probably do a decent Texan accent. So I just started trying it out and uh, getting more into it and going deeper with it. And uh, I mean, Christine could attest that I was practicing the voice throughout our show. <laughs> not on stage mind you but um so yeah he's kind of got some influence from uh a little bit of what i remember of jonah hex uh some uh of the dark tower and um some of murder by death and that's where uh, albion came from the whole odin thing just i don't know why but i just i just think i just think norse gods are cool i mean mom desdemona kind of started because I had done a five-year campaign in the Serenity universe, um, and uh, I had played a character named Desna Cass, and I just wanted to be called Des again. I just missed it. <laughs> um, and I actually I actually took um, – so I was like, oh, Des, De- Des, De- Demona. That's, that's a name that could have the nickname Des. And um, I actually named um, – her last name is based off of an uh, actual medium psychic um, and um, author named Sylvia Brown, but that's Brown with an E at the end. I thought I would just give a little nod to a little bit of authenticity in that regard. And I just I knew going into playing a Dresden Files campaign that I it's a world that has magic. So I wanted to have some kind of magic. And I've always been kind of fascinated with a bit more of the uh, the spiritual supernatural side of things, medium psychics, ghosts and all that. And uh, having read the the books, also, there is a character um, who is an ectomancer named Mortimer Lindquist. And um, he really impressed me with some of the stuff that he could do um, in ghost stories specifically. Uh, so I kind of just want to take a bit of a mishmash of a couple of different things. At the meantime, I also didn't want to play anything that was too far away from what I'm like as well, just because I didn't want to do anything too crazy out there that I couldn't give justice to. Like, you know, I I just wanted to kind of keep it a little bit simple. That way I could just, you know, continue to, you know, add depth to the character as I went along. So that's kind of where she came from. And we all love Des. 
Uh, Roe <laughs> is yeah. kind of a mash of a bunch of different things. What I've, I think I've narrowed it down to is it's my nervous energy mixed with Rumpelteaser, the thieving cat from the musical Cats, <laughs> as well as the mafia family history from the song Bust Your Kneecaps by the band Pomplamoose, um, as well as my desire to see a bisexual woman in a woman-loving woman relationship, because every bi woman specifically I've seen in podcasts and shows has always ended up being with a man for most of it aside from Aubrey Little so it it, is just a lot of stuff (laughs) but um it's something Darius actually pointed out earlier on in the show that um Rose last name is common which is the Japanese translation for the word mask as well as the Croatian word for stone so not only is she a Rosetta Stone, um, she's also masking who she really is with all of her, you know, name changes I've given her. So that's also, that. The stone mask was in JoJo, so she might be a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Look, do I, I have to break to, out the flow chart again? <laughs> to, no. To bring up another, to bring up another cat, I feel like you might have a little May from Night in the Woods in you. Yeah, that. Honestly, yeah, that's probably it too. Cause that, I mean, she's got a baseball bat. That is true. Because when I think I had finally established Roe as a character, it was probably last September, October, when she was kind of like perfected, but right before we started like recording and stuff. And that was around the time that I had just finished my Night in the Woods playthrough. So maybe, maybe she was in there too. Yeah. Let's have a related question for Seth specifically. Who is your favorite character? And this one, we're dipping back into the the ghostly well for this. My favorite character in the podcast so far? Yeah. The only one that we haven't had to write. Oh? Which one's that? Yeah, so that day that Mike and I drove out to Burlington, uh, you know, we went on Google to figure out where would be a good spot to go to lunch. And there was this little sandwich shop called, like, Four Corners of the Earth. So we go in there, and it's gorgeous and magical. It has trinkets from all over the globe, mostly fabrics hung on the walls that give it a really cozy vibe. It has all of these amazing, like, animal furs and blankets on these trench-style dining tables in the addition. The guy there will make you any sandwich themed after any place on Earth that you can name. If he doesn't already have a sandwich on the menu, he will move as the spirits take him. So Mike and I noticed that, unusually for restaurants in New England, his closing day was he was closed on Wednesdays. Most restaurants in New England will be closed on Mondays because it's the least busy day of the week, but his day that he's not there is Wednesdays, which is really unusual for a sandwich shop because people work, and so selling sandwiches at lunchtime on Wednesdays can be a brisk business. So Mike and I go up to him and ask, hey, why are you closed on Wednesdays? And he goes, oh, yes, that's the night I hunt demons. and that's when he got put in the podcast (laughs) like lake champlain he's just a natural feature of the geography he wasn't something that we had to write yeah lattice love i will reiterate is a real dude i'm trying to play him as faithfully as i can from the few times that i've been in that restaurant I love this man. (laughs) To be fair. And he makes great sandwiches. From what I have seen, because I do follow their Instagram and I have purchased merch from them. um, 
from the videos he posts on Instagram where he's talking, I could say Mike's impression is fairly spot on. I it's it's something I I do. I do decent uh, vocal impression work like that's that's one of the things that I'm okay at. So I've tried. I've tried to be faithful (laughs) to uh, to Ladislav. Um, Let's. Let's go back to the the folks. Um, Christine, a question for you specifically. Oh, boy. Where does Des get her teas, and is she into weird local brands? And this <laughs> is from our friend Kat Wilson. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Des Nimona actually gets her tea from the tea shop that she worked at when she was in high school. So it is weird local brands. All of the above. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. No, she's a very loyal customer. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of questions for for me specifically. Uh, one of them is from uh, Justin and uh, or Void, who asks, will this question end up in the podcast episode? Uh, the answer is no. Uh, he asks, does this episode have a sponsor? And I say, see the answer to the previous question. And a question from John Goyetch, which is, what's the release date on Astrophysician? And I'm like, why did you ask this? <laughs> Anyway, that that's that's a hypothetical board game that I want to make with Seth that is based entirely off of a thing that John said once. And we'll let um, you know when the Kickstarter is up. I yes, am totally absolutely. willing to make that game, but I'm first going to make Mike read a really really bad novel. Good. Um so let's let's go to I think a, a much more cogent question from Void, which is what surprised you most about the way your character has developed? I never planned for Albion to be as angry as he is all the time. <laughs> he broods. <laughs> I had I had planned for Albion to be a little more kind of like, I mean, that's the way the world is. Shit sucks sometimes. You roll with the punches. Uh, but then uh, it just kind of happened naturally. There was a moment in episode four, and it's one of the moments I'm the most proud of, where... Uh, Albion realizes the hag was feeding people to the monsters, and I realized how angry injustice as a whole makes him, but especially injustice by things that he considers to have more power over people, and especially people who are, you know, marginalized, like, uh, you know, the poor and the destitute, but uh, just how angry this sort of thing makes him, and it just sort of changed my whole it changed the whole worldview of the character into someone who is not just hunting monsters because he wants to protect people, but hunting monsters because he is raging about the things they do to people. And that's that was kind of a surprising development for me. I think with Ro, I had originally planned on her being more kind of reclusive and untrusting. And I don't know how this happened, but instantly she's just totally fine with like, you know, the other three, the everyone who has come into her life since being in Burlington, Vermont, she has just been okay with them. And I think it speaks more to how, you know, loving Des has been and how protective Albion is and how comforting like Sylvester is for her, just as like this this guy who just says whatever he wants. Um <laughs> but I had originally planned on her to be more abrasive towards people and it just I couldn't make it happen with how much I think she admires the other characters. I, I'm going to posit that given your character's uh, fucked up family history, <laughs> it's probably that 
you know, this found family is is more of a family than you've ever had. Oh, yeah. I think that is that fair? These are probably the only three people in the world who have never lied to her. And this is, you know, she's clinging to that. Oof. <laughs> I didn't mean for that oh, to be nothing. sad. I meant that was like a, I know I can trust these people, but <laughs> that sounded so sad. Well, nothing better <laughs> happened to those three than hug. That would be tragic. Oh, no. <laughs> Cover your ears, Seth. <laughs> Consider my ears covered. She didn't ask me to cover my ears, so uh, it's open season. Uh, yeah, you got the helm, Christine. Uh, well, uh, I I was kind of surprised, and it's mostly from like going back through and re-listening to episodes, and just finding out like consistently, like you know, just kind of like how profound profoundly lonely des was before these people came into her life and uh she had to shut herself up a lot just because of mr jack being attached to her and uh it's really kind of messed with her in some ways that i you know only kind of came out the more that we played is just like you know she's got major self-esteem issues and confidence issues and um she doesn't really she's not very confrontational and she kind of tries to run away when there's major issues happening and she she can't open up to most of the time around to people where she's much more comfortable talking to ghosts and it's just uh trying to see her like trying to crack through those that that veneer and those walls and she's she's trying so hard and at the end of the day though she's still it's so charming i think that she still finds a way to kind of see the positive light at the end of the day and still try to you know, just take care of people and be, you know, just to take care of people at the end of the day. And I just think that I'm like, oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, uh, Dr. Cooper Smith? Oh, uh, I guess Sly's less wary around magic over time, probably because I guess these people are all right. It just, you know. The thing that happened to him was, like, something unrelated, but it doesn't really mean that, like, every person that uses magic is a dickbag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've, you've gotten more and more comfortable around magic stuff because, I mean, <laughs> Warden Beaumont. Yeah. <laughs> like, the fact that you two get along now. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his intro uh, with you in episode two <laughs> was not a good tone setter. Oh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Great tone setter for the show in general, but not for his relationship with us. There's a reason I used it for the audiogram. <laughs> oh, it's a yeah. good interaction. Yeah. Okay, let's get a question. Uh, I think, ooh, here's a fun one from uh, Seamus, who asks, who is your backup character? Since we talked about bad oh, things happening boy. to these characters, <laughs> do you all have a backup? I do, actually. Oh. I think it's because the likelihood that Diagonal die is like pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey now, hey now. Don't dream it's over. Um I was just gonna do that. Yeah, but no, my backup character is actually, shockingly enough, another member of the Noctis. Um and wow. he, this character is actually like my whole image for him is like he shows up in like these loose clothes and he's got these big glasses and he's just so utterly the opposite of Albion. He's like, oh, hi. Uh, yeah, no, I'm um, I'm here to help because uh, I heard something bad happened to Albion. That's not his voice. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have Giles? a voice yet uh, or a name, but um, 
the whole thing is like when he gets into combat, it's like, so what do you do? He's like, oh, I use magic. What kind of magic? And then he just punches something and magnifies the force of it to just break it. And he's like, uh, it doesn't have a lot of rage, but it, it, it packs a wallop. So basically someone who just has magic punches. Oh, you're building an Edgardo, but like a meek one. Yeah. Uh, he's a kinetomancer, um, and Kick he, puncher. um, <laughs> yeah, like a connect, like kinetic magic oh, that I... he uses to apply force to, um, physical attacks. Are we sure? I get that's... it. He's Mr. Nice from Batman. Oh, well, I'm... Mr. Nice is the, uh, the world's greatest martial artist, but he's like this bookwormish looking librarian dude. He's like very polite. So as he's like judo throwing Batman through a brick wall, he's like apologizing profusely while running away with a sack of money. <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the best Batman villain ever because you can't even be mad at the guy because even when Batman like apprehends him he's like ah oh, you got me Batman better luck next time I guess <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing he's like no um, hard feelings how- right and Batman's like I'm missing a tooth <laughs> <laughs> well now that Tom like, has clearly stolen your backup choice Darius <laughs> do you have a backup character uh backup oh yeah no, I'm kidding no, it's that- Natalie Oh yeah, the uh, yes, the third other sister, the other sister. Yeah, that's that's actually a very good choice. I love that because she's an archivist. Archivist, I think I believe is pronounced. Archivist. You know what? Archivist <laughs> is how it's pronounced. Actually, I listened to a lot of the weird. Magnus archives. It's the archivist. If she calls herself an archivist, then you know that's her right. Who's gonna <laughs> tell her she's wrong? Seriously, yeah. she's six foot eight. <laughs> Very tall. Yeah. But I guess she'd be more, like, willing to learn about the magic thing, because her deal for becoming an archivist was trying to figure out what happened to Sly on that day. So... Yeah. She probably oh, knows I love that more than she lets on. <laughs> and, and I it's love that, because like, it, it ties in. Yeah. And she, that's why she took the job with uh, International Rescue in New York. That way she could get in touch with more people internationally on a... You know, as a part of the job. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Uh, Gwen, do you have a backup for Rose's Inevitable Demise? I didn't originally have a backup, but as we've been playing, I definitely, I've totally been interested in obviously learning more about the world. And I think after making our char- the character for the Christmas episode, it has cemented in that I would love to play a white court. If something were to happen to Roe, I would want to be a vampire who's, like, cool and scary. Maybe not Boucher, exactly, because, you know, <laughs> I think that character's good in a one-shot. But I think <laughs> I would love to do something more in the magical realm, because when I made Roe, I was very unsure about, like, going into the never-never stuff and the magic. Because I've, in d and I've always played, like, a rogue or a ranger, and I don't do a lot with spells. But I think I, I would, I'd want to get in there. That was actually a concern or a consideration when we when uh, we picked Changeling for Roe was mm-hmm. this idea that you as a player don't understand the magic of the world that well, but neither does Roe as a character. Yeah. And you could both kind of learn as you went. And Darius, having no real familiarity with the universe, playing uh, someone with no magic, a pure mortal, is like a good audience surrogate uh, who has to learn about all this nonsense as well. Mm-hmm. 
And then you have Christine, who <laughs> knows a lot about the universe, as does her character in many ways. But uh, Des is out of the campaign now. Oops, what's your backup character? <laughs> Des is not allowed to die. Oh, yeah, no. I didn't say she died. <laughs> Oh, man, that would be absolutely devastating. Let me just get that on the record. Um, it's on the record I, now. I absolutely adored playing Deaky. That was so much fun. Oh, yes. My wear bear for Christmas. Um, and, well, it also allowed me to get um, some accent work in, which I actually love to do. Um, got to do some Russian there. However, um, I was remembering a few minutes ago a conversation that uh, Mike and I had had once where we were talking about my accents. And uh, I was saying how I'm very good because uh, I did a lot of in college. I did a lot of Victorian plays and I did. A, I played a lot of elderly British women. And I was like, yeah, so I can do old. I can do British. And he was like, why didn't you do either of those? I was like, I didn't know those were options. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I don't know. If, maybe. You, if you brought Deaky back, then that means that I could bring back an NPC character to hang around and I get to be your Kazooie again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Deaky would be a lot of fun to play again um, or some, an old British woman. <laughs> I don't know who or I don't know what she would do, but we, we'd have fun. <laughs> Oh man, I like it. So the yeah, I the only other idea I have for if Albion dies or something would be actually for me, and this would obviously depend on the person involved. Uh, but it would be for me to actually leave the show for a bit and have uh, Vero play Abby as the new PC, picking up Albion's trail. Ooh. Wait. You mean Maggie or, or sorry, uh, do you mean Megan sorry, playing? Sydney. I mean Sydney. Okay. I like yeah, that as a concept. Would be fair to show up. But I don't want Albion to go anywhere. So it's a good concept, <laughs> but like, oh no. <laughs> we have two invested siblings. Yeah, obviously, Albion's going to live forever, but. <laughs> Yay! I'm going to live forever! He's Albion! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. man. I will yes. say that so I told it, Tom earlier today that he is a golden god, so... <laughs> the golden god is not taking questions. I am a golden god! <laughs> uh, here's a question from Charlie, and it is, any types of monsters or NPCs you'd like to be added to the story? And this is a question for everybody. So, Seth... Um, I think there's one in particular that you and I are both very fond of that almost happened in the story in the uh, the no dice one shot. And topically, but... the monster is both elderly and British. <laughs> yes. So would that be uh, the Owl Man? Seth, what draws you to Owl Man so much? <laughs> I think it's the fact that. He understands now that eating all of those poor little Oliver Twists was wrong, and he's turned over a new leaf and is trying to just, you know, be a better Owlman. It's like he listened to Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror and just took the message to heart. Oh, my word. Okay. Uh, how, about, how about the rest of you? <laughs> Any types of monsters or NPCs that you'd like to, have, like to see added to the story at some point? Um, I would love to see more people from the Noctis show up, uh, particularly the man who trained Albion, uh, a um, another monster hunter named Alistair, Alistair Card. Um, 
And we, I also have someone in mind to play him who I've been talking about and who is already giving me more lore for the character that I initially had. And, um, yeah, I would love to see more people from Albion's past show and be like, hey, what the fuck are you doing in Burlington still? And Albion going, I was wondering the same damn thing! <laughs> um, and as for monsters, um, I want to shoot the Slender Man. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I, keep in mind, I am listening. Anything you say can and will be used against you. In a court of law. Uh, I would, well, I mean, I would probably love... in the library, not in the court of law. Okay, fair. I would love for something like, um, as bad as it would be for us, a black court vampire showing up. Mm. Tom, we're not trained for that. Yeah. Stop saying things. We're gonna get killed. <laughs> <laughs> He's already killed one. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, that one was a baby black court. That that was that was different. I believe in you, Albion. <laughs> Any uh, anyone else got anything to uh, tuck in on that one? Or I don't. Uh, I just I really love want, when we. I want yeah, everyone I to. So. I want everyone to say there's pretty please. This is super okay. useful. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to play anymore. Uh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> I love when we we uh, do any interactions we have with a fae. Actually, I think that the fae are just a lot of fun, especially with a frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> God. Well, actually, I think going off Bong. of going off of Christine, I definitely, you know, as Rose player, I would love to see more summer court stuff because I've still never read any of the Dresden's files, so I am very out of the loop when it comes to other monsters in the world. I know they all exist, but the the Fey especially are pretty interesting to me. That's fair, Darius. What's something you've always wanted to kick? <laughs> the fucker that fucked up me leg I mean valid <laughs> that's completely valid the fucker who uh, fucked up your leg is a monster okay yes. so whatever he is no no I, I'm saying that, that it, whether it was a man or a beast like I mean what kind of monster would do that to you yeah uh, I don't know it's a good leg fucking monster oh man Um, a kraken <laughs> Oh gosh, Wait. that would be buck wild. We don't know what happened to Sylvester. No, he doesn't know. Oh, I always thought it was something that like just was. Oh wow, I didn't know that. You gotta pay more attention to the scenes you're not in. Well, no, it, it's more of like because it's always like alluded to that something bad happened. I I always thought that like Sylvester at least knew what happened or like to some. I didn't he he know. had a conversation with Cagney where he explains that he doesn't even know. Does he I know thought, when like, it happened? Well, I thought Darius as a player would like that was my whole thing. Wow. It was when he was in say college, so it was like his early twenties. Yeah, you learn something new every day. All right, ignore me. Did he just wake up like that one day? No, uh, no, it's, he was. It's we had a dream sequence that showed what yeah, happened. Yeah, there was a dream sequence. He was practicing soccer on a. Uh, Randall's Island. It's uh, usually where they have like sports teams go to do stuff. It's where I went to do sports team stuff when I actually did competitive. Um, and he was practicing by himself. So the thing that attacked him, he wasn't able to see it. And he was the only one around and they didn't find him until like after the thing was gone hours later. So yeah. whatever it was, he doesn't even remember because he didn't even see it coming. Yeah. Wild. And then he kind of just chalked it up to something weird. So the only one that's actually been really looking into it, for the most part, has been Natalie. Right. 
because Sylvester has the forensic medicine stunt and he knows like he, he can identify a lot about, you know, things that happen and what their causes are. And he's like, this is supernatural in origin because nothing makes sense th about this. Uh, or at least that's that's kind of uh, the assumption that you you came to from the fact that you just like no other answer worked. Right. So uh, there there's a lot of fun questions that I think we can get through a few of them uh, very fairly quickly. Lightning round. <laughs> Lightning round uh, from our friend Megan uh, for everybody in character and out of character. Favorite foods. Chicken cacciatore. Hmm. Me and Ro. Same food. It's the best. <laughs> uh, that is very it is hard because I like for the a purpose lot of, of this food. podcast. I am for the purpose of this podcast. I am contractually required to say uh, four corner sandwiches and maple creamies. <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> uh, I mean, but also yes. Yeah, you know what? Other uh, people go first. I got to think. Yeah. Uh. For me, it's curry goat. For Sly, it's, I don't know, probably bacon double cheeseburger. <laughs> That's pretty on brand. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, curry goat is good. Like, I love Indian food. Um, oh, I meant, like, the Jamaican version. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. That is also very good. Um, I don't know if there is, like, there's got to be a, a goat curry dish. Um, in Indian, I'm sure there well. is. Uh, although I mean, there's Jamaican yeah, there's version. Both. Like I would kill a man for Jamaican chicken. Can we? <laughs> can we edit of... out the part where I said I would kill a man? Nope, it stays in. <laughs> no, we've all said something it's like too late. Against you in evidence. <laughs> uh, speaking of of Indian food, I know it's British Indian, but uh, tikka masala is delicious. And I had a a pizza in. Washington D.C. when Dar Darius and Tom and I were uh, at a convention, and uh, it was a chicken tikka masala pizza, and it was absurdly good. So, uh, oh that, man, that, that pizza was, was so good, and that was the only good part of where we stayed. Yeah, oh yeah, that place sucked. Yeah, that place we stayed it stayed. It sucked, but that pizza shop was very good and not not expensive. So, like, it was that was nice. Uh, but how about Christine? Wise Guys Pizza, Washington, D.C. Try it, y'all. It's real good. <laughs> if you're in the neighborhood. Not sponsored, but recommended. Um, I'm going to say that uh, Desdemona's favorite food is probably something along the lines of, like, I don't know, tofu pad thai. And she drinks a lot of tea. But you yeah. knew that already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, pad thai's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what about Christine? Um, I never say no to pizza ever, 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 ever. Yeah. That's that's fair. Oh, um, all right. Here... So I've I've got my answer. Oh, right. <laughs> um, for me, it's a medium rare ribeye steak with compound butter, uh, with a uh, baked potato low, absolutely loaded with cheese and sour cream and butter on the side, and some garlic baked beans or uh Brussels sprouts that are cooked in like a that are cooked with bacon and some sort of a garlic butter. Uh, for Albion, uh, barbecue. He fucking loves himself some smoked brisket, <laughs> some uh, baby back or St. Louis style ribs. Uh, his favorite thing is burnt ends, though. Those are the best part of any barbecue meal for the boy. 
I love the dichotomy <laughs> here where Tom is like, I'm going to describe this, you know, like middle income, real fancy ass meal <laughs> that just is delicious and, you know, complex and wonderful uh, at, you know, very much an American thing. But also Albion fucking ribs. <laughs> Here's no brisket specifically. Uh, ribs are also good, though. But the, the yeah. one thing, the key thing, both meals are paired with a late one. <laughs> oh god it's so good uh here's a question from our friend patch what's a quirk about your character you have yet to show that you're really excited about showing at some point hmm. you know i could answer this for like a bunch of the characters but i probably shouldn't <laughs> i mean like that might I've be bad i've kind of given desdemona a quirk but like I think it's already been kind of noted in the episodes that when she's very nervous, she kind of needs, she has nervous energy in her hands. And so she fiddles around. She, you know, finds a piece of fur to play with or kind of, you know, finds a pillow and starts, you know, putting her hands on it. And, you know, she's just kind of, you know, or she plays with her hair or something. But she's got a bit of a nervous uh, energy where that comes out of her hands. Or she, she absently scribbles the name Marcus. Yeah, that too. <laughs> That too. Yep. Just start doodling. I think for Ro, and this is actually something that I had wanted to do at the start of the podcast, and then it just kind of didn't, we weren't in a space where it could happen, but I wanted Ro to steal more stuff and to be frequently like, you know, just taking stuff if she's like, because her job before all of this happened was to break into people's houses and obtain an item. So I wanted her to kind of just absentmindedly be like, you know, okay, like pickpocketing people or whatever. And it just didn't happen. And I don't know that I want that to happen, but I think it would be really funny. But I don't know I that that's... I will tell you that you <laughs> we can could... have stealing scenes if you want them. I think yeah. it would be really funny if it just ended up showing up as Road never gives someone back their pen. Yeah, I, th I think it's got to be something <laughs> like that. Because I don't know that given everything that's happened that Rose really like... I don't think she wants to be a criminal. I think she just, you know, steals stuff sometimes. Yeah, that happens. We have any more responses to that one, or are we moving on? Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of one that, because there's some stuff, but I don't, hmm. Let me just say yeah. that I would like to see Champ get more screen time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we all would. You can um, here's. That. Here, here's uh, okay, another, so another, I, I got it. Yeah. Um, you okay, control I got that. It. I don't Albion, control whether you go to the... <laughs> Albion still still watches anime like Cowboy Bebop or uh, his first real childhood anime he loved, Digimon. So Albion's just becoming Tom. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Angry I was Tom. trying to come up with a quirk that wouldn't... I was trying to get a, a quirk that wouldn't get a response. Can we, can we edit that out and give me a different shot, please? No, and I think that's that's charming and wonderful. I I think that's fine. That's fun. Like Albion was just a nerd in high school. Like uh, he was on the the cheerleading team, and he would hang out with friends after school and play Dungeons and Dragons with a bunch of stupid homebrewed rules, and uh, would watch anime and shit. So yeah, I think that's that, great. That's and what was he's his, a what was unrepentant Al dork. What was Albion's favorite Digimon, as distinct from Tom's favorite? Oh Digimon. God. <laughs> Oh god, Albion's favorite Digimon was probably um fucking Zudomon because it had a badass Warhammer and a, <laughs> was just a he he just thinks that all of Joe's Digimon deserved more screen time to be honest. You know what's not fair. wrong. <laughs> yeah. We all agree. 
Um, from our friend Vero Herrera, what is one silly phobia that your character has? Emphasis on silly. Hmm. So I has a fear of Barney the Purple Dinosaur. I will need you to repeat that. I'm sorry. So Sly has a fear of Barney the Purple Dinosaur because uh, there was a Barney <laughs> that showed up at uh, Natalie's like third birthday and it was like the creepiest freaking thing and Sly like kicked the Barney dude in the costume and so the guy got injuries and stuff. But um, basically, <laughs> yeah, he has this like, it's not like a fear of Barney the Dinosaur so much as it is like a fight or flight reaction when he sees like that purple motherfucker <laughs> that's a phobia man but fortunately since like you know barney's not really popular nowadays it's kind of seceded but unless there's some stupid netflix arrival or some shit then he's probably just gonna lose his shit that's fair uh albion is freaked out by stop motion monsters like think like there is this weird kid show called pingu and <laughs> there is an episode in which he has a nightmare about a walrus uh oh her like oh. terrorizing him and that scene freaked out Albion as a kid and <laughs> kept him up for many sleepless nights. Albion now, if he ever saw a stop-motion walrus, he would draw Gugnir and shoot it. <laughs> uh, hmm. Muppets get a pass, though. Muppets are cool. <laughs> as someone who has a lot of silly fears, I don't want Ro to have any. However, I think she's okay. pretty wary of small spaces, specifically ones that are pitch black if it's a well-lit like closet or whatever she's okay but a dark small space she's a little like iffy on okay uh i think something silly for des to be not just not be comfortable with at all is uh caricature art <laughs> <laughs> she's old-fashioned either make it a portrait or a photograph <laughs> amazing I think here's a here's a good really quick one uh, from Megan is what's the maximum amount of time your character can sit still with nothing to do? 47 minutes. A few minutes. <laughs> I like the different Four and answers. a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends uh, how long the cup of tea lasts. <laughs> so I like a, that yeah, as a timer. A cup of tea. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. It's what um, makes part of Albion's job hard. Is a lot of his job until he got to Burlington was long drives, and he is just rest a restless motherfucker. Here's one from Megan that is another one that can be answered very quickly. Who's everyone's first? This is in character, BT Dub. <laughs> Not in real life. I would never do that. Let's call some people out. Albion's first kiss. I all I said was who's everyone's first. Yeah, the question is. I'm gonna say first. Albion. Albion's first kiss was. Um, I haven't thought this out. I don't have a plan for this. My instinct is just. Uh, it was one of the other guys on the cheerleading team. I think That's my answer. It I has, don't have details in my head. <laughs> my answer has to be Rose's fiance because Rose is so desperately in love with one person that I don't think it ever crossed her mind. Like, like she met this person and that was it. So. Rose fiance, we love her. Aww. Yeah. What is I don't your... think that can be your answer to <laughs> yes, Darius. No, that can be yours. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Look, man. Look, man, it was like summer camp after like, I don't know, 10th grade. Weird shit happened. I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, so old man Sly Coopersmith has forgotten? Pretty much. <laughs> and then there's Des, who's saving herself for marriage. Uh, pretty much. She, it's to be determined for, for Darling Des. 
Let's uh, just that... say that white court vampires of the Wraith persuasion would have a hard time around Dez and her with them. No one is good enough oh. for Dez, and I stand by that. I like my cold <laughs> shot. Never ever. <laughs> oh man, I, so... I think it's time that we wrap up. We had a lot of great questions, but uh, I don't want to belabor this particular episode. It's just a, a kind of a fun bonus for our one year anniversary. So I think we should wrap it up with a question from Charlie, which is, what has been your favorite part of making an actual play podcast? I think just getting to see people enjoy something I created and took part, not I created per, like alone, but to be able to tell a story and have people engage with it and enjoy it. Like the fact that even one person who I don't know has come to me and been like, I love this show and I love these characters. You're doing a really good job has been incredibly rewarding to me. It's just being able to give people something to enjoy, I guess, and interact with that. I don't know. I'm bad at words right now. <laughs> Little dust in his eye. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit. I mean, <laughs> well, just... I'm exaggerating. <laughs> Uh, well, for me, um, haven't done a lot of acting the last few years, and this show really scratches my desire to act itch. Um, it it kind of gives me a bit of that acting and that improv that my soul desperately craves, um, especially in the last year or so. Um, and it's great because I get to talk and play with my friends and I couldn't ask for better people to do this with. I've just, I just have fun with it. It's just a lot of fun. It's really cool. Cause I've always kind of wanted to do some sort of voice acting before. And I feel like it's allowed me to have some opportunities that I otherwise wouldn't have. And who knows what else could happen in the future. Uh, and I mean, I would do this even if nobody listened, but Thank you guys for listening. Seriously, like, love you. That's <laughs> how I feel about it. Yeah, no, I think to go off of that, I had done some acting and stuff in high school. And then I graduated and nothing really ever happened in that regards for me after that. And I think being approached to do a podcast, which is something that within the past three years, I have consumed hours upon hours of, you know, media for podcasts. I have a podcast inspired tattoo. I think that it's given me something to look forward to, especially in the deep dark depths of what has, you know, become of 2020. Um, but I think it helps to have like a great team obviously to work with that I look forward to recording. I could have the worst Thursday ever and know that, you know, 7:30 rolls around and I have my friends I can go on an adventure with and it's been good nice oh let yeah, me do like bud. yeah oh, friendship love you gwen i love you guys yeah i don't <laughs> know i just like uh uh hanging out with you guys once a week even if it's remotely so that's always been good <laughs> i'm gonna good for the old mental health there <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna chip in here too and just say my favorite part is definitely getting the feedback from all of you 
Well, from Mike, when I give the initial pitches, from all of you, when you experience them, and then seeing people be like, oh, I just got to this episode, and this thing happened. You know, (laughs) if it's something that I did, if it's something that you guys, just seeing all that feedback is really, really uh, nice. And I definitely have a different perspective on it from you guys, because I'm not, you know, there for the recordings, but... Yeah, it's it's that, that uh, just connection with other human beings as we collaborate on this journey. Absolutely. Like, I, I agree with everybody. Like, 100% restate everything that you guys have said, but also, I don't know how I would have dealt with 2020 if I wasn't doing this, because this has really pushed me to be more creatively motivated like absolutely i've i've suffered some burnout here and there uh, especially when we were trying to release once a week what the fuck was i thinking <laughs> um <laughs> i thought that was sustainable and i was immediately proven wrong <laughs> halfway through january it was like no uh but um gosh yeah like uh, i i i've had a lot of times in my life where i've wanted to like give up my creative pursuits. I've literally been like, I've had those dark nights of the soul where I'm like, I should sell all of my musical equipment, all of my instruments, whatever. Like I'm never going to make anything with these anyway. And now we've had a year where we've put out this podcast and I've created soundtrack for it. And like, I have this album up on Bandcamp of music that I wrote. (laughs) Like, it's been a really creatively fulfilling journey on top of the fact that it's been so much fun to do something and keep in touch with my friends over a long distance while everybody's trying to like stay home and uh, try to just, you know, make it through to the next day right now. So yeah, like I think that this has been a super rewarding experience for all of us. So like, thank you all. I just want to say thank you to uh the the five of you for agreeing to come on this ride well thanks thanks for asking inviting us on the ride thanks for (laughs) joining me when i invited you on a ride to burlington uh that was a good trip also it was less of an invitation and more of a kidnapping for the record (laughs) yeah it was pretty Uh, much like uh you have this day free we're doing this look what came out of it it's so good yeah is there anyone else that any of us want to thank i want to thank nick trent yeah I mean, he did record. Fathers. He did record all of those those episodes when we were doing the ramp up. Which, uh, by the way, I wanted to really start as strong as I could, as strong as we all could with this. So, like, we did a bunch of test episodes that have not been released and probably won't be. Some of them are maybe because they are plot relevant, but there's some that are like, no, uh, <laughs> those those are not. Um, and Nick was there through all of it, and he pushed through. Uh, uh, figuring out that he couldn't maintain the schedule in the long run. So, and he did very much make this show a possible thing. So yeah, Seth, you're right. And he also gave something for all of our characters, except uh, except for Ro, Ro to be well, sad about. Well, no, because here's the oh. thing about that is I think that gives Ro even more of a reason to kind of like in actually by the the time this comes out, because this will probably come out before one of the last episodes we recorded, um, there is an upcoming scene, so be on the eye, f- like, look out for that, where something happens and Des is thinking about Marcus, and Ro doesn't have that 
connection with him. So I think that definitely makes her want to know more about this world. Because as far as she knows, he's some magical potential criminal guy who everyone that she loves also loves. But there's like no answers regarding what's happened to him or who he is for her. So I think that Nick definitely kind of paved the way for Roe to be in this group. Yeah. Anyone else got any good thanks? Uh, I want to thank uh, Britty from the Pocket Podcast Network and the Pocket Podcast Network, you know, in general. Um, oh, heck yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, the fact that we have a network that has been hosting us and putting out our RRS and like just being not only just like someone who helps keep our show on the on the metaphorical air, but has been encouraging us and supporting us. It's been a blessing. And the fact that it just came over mutual love for the McElroy brothers is... Yeah. <laughs> it It is never less than delightful for me. So um, I really appreciate them giving us a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That, like, this show would be nowhere near what it is without the support of the Pocket Podcast Network. I, I was going to have to figure out how to distribute podcasts uh, and and work an rss feed and all of that and i just happened to be talking with britty on a different project and mentioning this podcast i'm working on she's like well i'm i run this network and uh it's just it was absolutely great timing and just wonderful for us to collaborate and put our heads together and make this whole thing happen and everyone on the pocket podcast network has been so welcoming to us whether it's been game nights or guest episodes, I have not had a bad experience with anyone on that network. And from what I've heard about other networks, obviously not, you know, a lot, but there's always like one bad person around. We don't have that. And I think that's amazing. (laughs) We're all surprising. We got all bangers here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Benefits of being on a a small (laughs) network of mostly close friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any any good thanks for you uh, there, Dare? Uh, I don't know. I'd like to thank uh, the Academy. And <laughs> I fucking knew it. To the re- and to the you Republic, which a- I can't stand. <laughs> 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 Two nations I- under Jesus. Are we saying things we don't like now? Because I could go on. <laughs> I am oh, going yeah. to. I'm going to end this on a a very heartfelt and sincere note. I think. All of us would like to thank anybody who is listening to this right now. Uh, you you absolutely make this whole thing so much more worth it. Here, here. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, friends. Here's to here's to another year of Green Mountain Mysteries and these idiots <laughs> running wild <laughs> in Burlington and making my life a whole lot more fun. Yeehaw. Cue the theme music. Yeah.
Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.